Hello. Welcome to the Myths and History of Greece and Rome. Chapter 98. United for the Last Time. Flavius Gratianus was a very nice young man. He seems to have been polite, studious, and to have taken his responsibilities seriously. Gratian, though, was in charge of the whole Roman Empire at the age of 19. Unlike the other young emperors who did okay, like Alexander Severus and Gordian III, he didn't have a strong mother to guide him. His mother had died many years earlier, and his brother, Valentinian II, was actually only his half-brother. Adrianople had been a major disaster. It was the worst defeat by a foreign enemy since the 3rd century, and it sent shockwaves through the empire. Groups of Goths, now seen as scary invaders not troop-providing friends, were massacred. Gratian knew he couldn't manage the situation on his own. He'd won some battles, he'd led his men well, he'd given good advice to his uncle, even though silly old Valens was too stupid to take it, but Gratian needed help, and so the young man took a momentous decision. He had recently recalled the younger Flavius Theodosius from Spain to help him manage the East and command the Eastern Empire. Theodosius did a very fine job, and it was no surprise to anyone when Gratian named him as his co-Augustus. Theodosius was still young himself. He had been born in the Spanish province of Galicia in 347, and so was only 32, but he was very well known and a capable and popular commander. Gratian charged the new emperor with restoring order to the east. This was a nearly impossible task, but the man from Spain was not about to be put off by the impossible. He set about his job with a lot of energy and complete determination. The empire needed a determined leader, and just at the right time, it got one. Theodosius surveyed the wreckage of the eastern army and made a decision. He needed soldiers, and lots of them, and he was only going to get them by force. And so, by force, he got them. The new emperor put in place some pretty harsh and cruel laws. He sent his officials out to make anyone and everyone join the army. All rich landowners had to supply men. Everyone who had deserted from the army before, and everyone who should have performed military service but avoided it, were ordered to report to their military unit at once, or be executed. The officials were allowed to take anyone who was unemployed, any non-Roman living in the empire, and all sons of soldiers, and force them to join the army. Any landowner who didn't tell the officials about a non-Roman working on their land could be put to death by burning. Very harsh and very cruel, but it worked, and the army grew in strength. Over the next three years, the two emperors worked together to bring the Goths back into line. Theodosius continued to slowly rebuild the eastern army, forcing many more Romans and settled barbarians to join the legions. By the summer of 380, most of the trouble had died down, and the Goths were settled in lands in Thrace. They pretty much ruled themselves, though. They had their own leaders, their own language, and their own culture. When they joined the army, they were often commanded by other Goths, and stayed together in their own units. But there was peace, and the empire gradually started to recover. Gratian ruled Gaul, Britain, and Spain. Theodosius ruled the East, and ensured that Valentinian II, who was theoretically emperor of Italy and North Africa, was protected. The Emperor Theodosius finally entered Constantinople in triumph in 380. He was welcomed by a grateful population. Soon, though, the new emperor became very ill. Just like most of the Christian emperors of the 4th century, Theodosius hadn't been baptised. The emperors didn't want to be baptised until they'd committed all of their sins. Remember what Julian said about Constantine. Theodosius thought he was going to die, 
so he'd better wipe the slate clean and get baptised. So, get baptised he did. And then he recovered. This changed the emperor for good. From this time on, he was to be much more careful about how cruel he was and when he behaved badly. He didn't want to be punished in the next life for bad things that he was doing in this one. The new emperor, maybe spiritually enhanced by his recent brush with death, then decided he could succeed where even Constantine the Great had failed. Remember the fights among the Christians? Well, Theodosius decided he wasn't going to stand for disagreement in his empire. He came to the conclusion that Arianism was bad for Rome, and so it had to go. And so, in 381, he brought together a great council, called the Second Ecumenical Council in Constantinople. With some help from the emperor, the council decided that Arianism was wrong and everyone should be a Catholic Christian. Theodosius was pretty harsh, and he was not messing about. Nope, he was not messing about at all. After saying everyone had to be the right kind of Christian, he declared, We command that those who follow this rule shall have the name Catholic Christians. The rest, however, whom we judge to be demented and insane, shall be heretics. A fairly unequivocal message. Then the emperor went further. He closed the Arian churches and made sure that only Catholic worship was officially allowed. The emperor and the council also declared that the Bishop of Rome was the most important bishop in the world, and the Bishop of Constantinople was next in importance. Theodosius was a man who knew what he wanted, and was going to make sure he got what he wanted, even when what he wanted was not necessarily what everyone else wanted. And Theodosius got what he wanted. Arianism slowly died out in the empire. Only the Germans and the Goths remained as Arians, and this would cause some more troubles in the future. Many people criticised the emperors for settling the Goths in Roman territory, but there wasn't much else that Theodosius and Gratian could have done. The Goths were already in Roman territory, there were too many of them to get rid of, and anyway, they made great soldiers. Various barbarians had been settling in the empire for years, and most eventually became Romanized, so there was no reason to think it would be any different this time. For now then, all was rosy in the empire. Except, of course, that soon it wasn't. Gratian had lost his way a bit after a good start. He began to take too much interest in church matters and not enough interest in running his empire. He became very close to the Bishop of Milan, a man called Ambrose. Ambrose persuaded him to remove the ancient pagan altar of victory from the Forum in Rome and declare that he was not going to be called Pontifex Maximus or Chief Priest. This title had been held by every senior emperor since Augustus and Gratian's dropping of it was a really big thing. It didn't go down well in Rome at all. The title slowly came to be associated with the Bishop of Rome, and the Bishop of Rome, or the Pope, is still called the Pontiff today. Gratian also became lazy, and was seen to be enjoying himself too much and not being serious about being Emperor. In 383, another invasion by the Alamanni demanded the attention of the young Emperor. He set off with his forces to repel the invaders. While he was in battle, a general with the fantastic name of Magnus Maximus rebelled in Britain and was declared Augustus by his troops. Roughly translated, Magnus Maximus means the biggest biggie. What a great name for a general. With a name like that, it's worth having a go at trying to get the top job. Poor Rome. Here we go again. Another unpopular emperor, another ambitious general, another rebellion. Maximus crossed into Gaul and there was a short battle. 
Gratian had some cavalry units made up of Moors, who were people from North Africa. For some unknown reason, the Moorish cavalry deserted and changed sides. Maximus was delighted, but Gratian was angry and scared. He fled to Lyon, where he was pursued and captured by Maximus's troops. Maximus promised Gratian safety, invited him to a large banquet, welcomed him in and had him executed. Poor Gratian was just 24 years old. Theodosius was furious. The emperor knew, though, that he wasn't strong enough yet to defeat Maximus. So, like Gallienus with Odonathus, he accepted what had happened, but did not yet agree that Maximus was Augustus. Maximus would have to be defeated, but the defeat of Maximus would have to wait. The usurper, meanwhile, decided to see if he could get Valentinian II to recognise him as emperor. The biggest biggie invited the boy to Trier and suggested they rule together. Valentinian's mother, Justina, refused, and a few years later Maximus decided it was time to take what he wanted by force, and he attacked Italy. Valentinian, his mother, his friends and advisers fled to Constantinople. Justina pleaded with Theodosius to help, and offered her daughter to him in marriage. Galla was a very beautiful woman, and Theodosius fell in love with her straight away. He agreed to come to the aid of the young emperor. In July 388, Theodosius and his army joined up with the young Valentinian, and the two emperors moved towards Italy. The emperors pursued Maximus across Europe, and met up with the rebels at Aquileia. Maximus was defeated and captured, and quickly stripped of the imperial robes he had taken from poor Gratian. It seemed for a moment that the merciful emperor was going to let Maximus live, but his soldiers made the decision for him. They dragged the rebel away and executed him. Valentinian II, now Emperor of the West, was still only a teenager, and so Theodosius was really in charge of the whole empire. The senior Augustus appointed an important general, a Frank called Arbogast, as protector of the young man, and went back to Milan. Theodosius was now much more sure of his hold on power, and he began to clamp down on paganism as well as Arianism. He ensured the ban on sacrificing was followed by everyone, the oracle at Delphi, one of the most important places where pagans ask the old god questions, was ordered not to be used. Yep, paganism was on its way out. This didn't go down well in Rome, but Theodosius was so friendly, smiley and charming that not too many people complained. He was more personally popular in his empire than any emperor had been for more than a century. It was while Theodosius was in Milan that something happened which shows us just how important the Christian church and Christian bishops were becoming in the later Roman Empire. The emperor was having a bit of trouble with Ambrose, the bishop of Milan, who had been a friend of Gratian. When they disagreed, Ambrose reminded the emperor that he had become a baptised Christian when he was ill, and so he had to ensure he lived without sin. In late 389, an army captain in Thessalonica, a goth named Botheric, arrested the city's most popular chariot racer. A mob smashed its way into the army garrison and angrily cut down Botheric, killing him instantly. Theodosius, normally a mild-tempered man, was absolutely furious, possibly even blindly furious. Ambrose, Bishop of Milan, pleaded with the normally merciful emperor not to exact retribution on the whole city for the crimes of just a few, but Theodosius wanted the city punished. He ordered the troops in Thessalonica to restore order and told them they could do it in whatever way they thought necessary. Not long after giving the order, Theodosius calmed down and changed his mind. He sent another order, cancelling his previous order. But the order cancelling the previous order didn't reach the city, and so the original order, the one given before the order which cancelled the previous order, was the order which was carried out. 
the vengeful soldiers waited until the citizens of the city were gathered in the Hippodrome, and then locked the gates and started killing. The people were slaughtered. It's said that over 7,000 were dead by nightfall. Theodosius was horrified, but Bishop Ambrose was more horrified. It wasn't right that a Christian emperor should command a massacre like this. Ambrose wrote Theodosius a letter, saying the leader of the Roman world would not be allowed to worship in a Christian church until he made up for his sins. Never before had a churchman tried to tell an emperor what he could or couldn't do. Most emperors would have laughed, or had Ambrose exiled, or had him killed, but Theodosius was different. He'd been baptised as a Christian, and he took it seriously. He believed what you do when you're alive matters, and if you're a good Christian, you will be able to go to heaven when you die. So the emperor didn't have Ambrose exiled, and he didn't have him executed. For a few months, Theodosius stopped wearing his imperial robes, and appeared in public bareheaded and dressed in just a sackcloth. Once this time was over, Ambrose told him he had been punished for his sins and would be forgiven. He was allowed to worship again. Can you imagine Hadrian standing for this? No, didn't think so. But the Roman world of 390 was not the Roman world of 130. Much had changed, and it had changed forever. If Hadrian or any of the early emperors had been told what to do by a priest, and then done it, they would have been laughed at. In the Christian Empire of the late 300s, the actions of Theodosius just made him even more popular. The two emperors left Milan in early 391. Theodosius returned to Constantinople and Valentinian to Gaul. In Constantinople, Theodosius had erected a triumphal column and a triumphal arch. He also rebuilt the main forum, which in 393 was named the Forum of Theodosius. The emperor was really stamping his mark on the capital of his empire. Valentinian II, now no longer a boy but a young man, arrived in Gaul and wanted to take charge. He ordered Arbogast, who was supposed to be his protector, to hand over power. Arbogast refused. Valentinian then presented the Frank with a written order, telling him he was no longer needed and that he was fired. Arbogast laughed and then very, very slowly tore the order in half. Valentinian II, a young man who was completely unable to even give being a good emperor a try, was found hanging in his room a few days later. He was just 21 years old and had theoretically been Augustus since he was five. At no point during his 16-year reign did he actually do any ruling at all. Arbogast was a Frank and a pagan. Both of these things meant he couldn't be emperor of the Roman Empire. Arbogast, however, had got used to being in charge without being emperor, and so he declared that a man called Flavius Eugenius was now emperor of the West. Eugenius was a teacher, not a soldier or a politician, so was about as unlikely an emperor as the empire had ever seen. A communication was sent to Constantinople asking the emperor to recognise Eugenius as ruler in the West. Theodosius groaned and realised he had yet another civil war to fight. He gathered up his armies and, once again, marched towards Italy. Theodosius arrived to find that Rome and some of the rest of Italy were back worshipping the pagan gods. The air was thick with smoke from the sacrificial burnings. Again, the emperor met the forces of the rebels near Aquileia, just on the banks of the river Frigidus. A huge wind blew on the day of the battle. It said the winds blinded the troops loyal to the rebels and the imperial army won a great victory. Theodosius' army contained about 20,000 Goths, including a brilliant young general called Alaric, who we will hear much more about in the next chapter. The second in command of the whole army was a vandal called Stilicho. 
he will also play an important role in the next part of our story. Eugenius was beheaded as he grovelled, begged and pleaded at the Emperor's feet. Arbogast escaped, but realising he'd run out of friends, committed suicide a few days later. So, in 394, the Roman world had Theodosius the Great as its sole emperor. He was strong, popular and only 47 years old. On top of that, he had two sons, who he was about to start to teach how to rule, so that when they grew up, they could rule wisely and well. So it's time for the powerful and popular emperor to rebuild and make the united Roman Empire great once more, and then leave it to a fine dynasty which will continue his good work. Theodosius the Great was called Theodosius the Great by the Christians because of his strong support for the church. Many historians don't believe he deserved the title. During his first 15 years on the throne, though, he had shown himself to be great in many other ways. At last, all is sunshine in the Garden of Rome. Next time, though, the rains will start to fall. So, until then, have a great couple of weeks, and I'll speak to you next time.